so happy back there. All right. So we were good, John? Okay, I got the thumbs up. The seal of approval. Well, like I said, good morning, church. Happy Sunday. I love how the, the light has come in through the windows. You can almost turn the lights off. It's just so so bright and, and airy in here. It's Again, it's nice. And so, as you know, I've... And this worship will be our sweet portion Thank you, ladies. So I'm going to shift on the fly this morning right now. I was talking with a sister in the Lord this morning, and I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? This really ties into that. And so I think, uh, not that I think, I'm starting to know that a problem in our culture is that we're looking for the newest, bestest way of doing things. A new and exciting way of doing things. And it's within that new and exciting way of doing things that a lot of people forget the basics. A lot of people forget the truth. A lot of people forget why they're here. Because in the call to stand on one foot with one arm raised and, and shake back and forth, because that's the new way of worshiping God and that's how we should all do it, we forget about God's truth and why we're even called here in the first place. And so I think this sermon helps to tie that, that down together. Again, shifting on the fly, rolling with the punches, like, well, that's what we all do, hopefully, every day of our lives. But it is within that, and especially as we see it, that, yeah, your words and your deeds matter. <laughs> like, if, if you want to decide about some new way to worship God by jumping up and down and circling three times and whatever, that's great. But that doesn't really change how your words and deeds matter. <laughs> also, much like the last song that we sang, and, and I thought we did that really well, is that, boy, who's the Lord and who's not? I think that's important to know on a regular daily basis. Who is Jesus? Who is King of Kings and who is Lord of Lords? And who is Eric Gross coming to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Because a lot of times, these people that... that come in, we're, we're wanting something new, we're wanting something different, when in reality what you need is just the truth, again, and again, and again, and then maybe some more, and probably some more after that, and at least until you actually physically die, and then once you get to heaven and be with Jesus, and the truth is in front of you, face to face, then you probably still might not fully grasp it, right? <laughs> just because of our human nature and who we are. And then, and then very much lastly, because your words and your deeds matter, our Lord matters. Everything's by Him, or from Him, and to Him, and through Him, if you will. The whole reason for everything is about salvation. It wasn't about, like, making prosperity in your life. It wasn't about healing and, and whatever. It wasn't about this feeling that I have when I was jumping up and down on one foot with one arm raised and circled around three times. That was awesome. 
I hope I get that feeling again. No, you need that truth. And that truth is, yes, those things in our lives, words and deeds matter. Yes, everything is about God. And then yes, everything ultimately is about our salvation. The exercise, yes, the calisthenics. You know, you know the calisthenics. Well, there are plenty of churches that if you want to go to do calisthenics and not hear truth, there's always that. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage it, but, but there is that. Yeah, I'm not the calisthenics leader. Uh, you know, when it came to gym class, like, I showed up. I wore my little, you know, orange and black shirt. And Anyway, dear Heavenly Father, <laughs> thank you as always for the blessings that you've given us to be your church. Certainly thank you for the truth that you continue to reveal to us in James. And just thank you again for your word and, and all the newness of life that you've given us as well as the the beautiful blessings that we get to experience today on Sunday morning together as your body, as well as what we might experience as time goes on during the week. So Lord Jesus, lead me well, lead us well, convict us by the Spirit, and certainly may this be for your glory, Lord, and ultimately for our good. It's in your name we will pray until we're actually with you in heaven. Amen. All right, James chapter 5, verse 12 through 20. It's my understanding that in the blue Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1,116. Right? Right? Yeah, look at that. In the Bible I have, it's page 2,235. Right? No. It's okay. So James chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. And it reads like this. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. As challenging as this word of the Lord might be in the final finalness of the chapters in, in James and especially what he's talked about throughout all of this. But ultimately, it does make sense. But it does require a little bit of sifting and going through, if you will. So let's start very simply. Verse 12. Point one. But above all, my brothers, don't swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. 
I established long ago that this is James, the little brother of Jesus. And James, being the little brother of Jesus, he certainly listened to his older brother because very much so, if you were to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, you would hear Jesus say, Again, you have heard it was said of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So, to put it in the context, though, uh, of James, the very last section that we were talking about, which is uh, chapter 5, verse 7 through 11, there were the challenges of the landowners and the employees, or the master and the slave type of relationship. And, of course, the masters were abusing the slaves, go figure, and uh, the slaves were grumbling and frustrated. Go figure. None of this is shocking or surprise. In fact, it's quite human nature when we look at it and we think about it because, well, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, as they say. There's always been an off-kilter, you know, establishment of that. So, those landowners and workers, the bosses and employees, James is bringing this into the last section, and he's really quite masterfully bringing in all that he's been talking about, about these wicked little things we have called tongues. And so this started much, much ago, if you will, in chapter 3. But the above all, the but above all, actually means to sum up. He's not saying that this is the most important of anything that he said, is let your yes be yes and your no be no. But I do think it is very important that this is a really good starting point for all of us that don't know how to say no. <laughs> or just say yes way too much. It's very, very normal for us, especially as wanting to people please and wanting to make sure other people like us for whatever reason. And even though we'll sacrifice bits and pieces of who we are in an effort to try to make someone like us who ultimately is just very fleeting, if you will. And so the, the summing up, if you will, and the simplicity of this, if you go back and, and you don't need to, just listen and think about it because we've gone through a lot of sermons here in the book of James. But in chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, we're first introduced to taming the tongue. We're first introduced to realizing that there's this little thing in our mouths that's pure evil, just pure evil. Uh, more than that, it sets forests on fire. And it's very much the truth. And again, I would encourage you, if you want more on these, to go back and to listen to those sermons on the website. But it's all about, certainly, we can't tame the tongue. We can put bridles and bits and horses, but we don't tame our own tongues. We set fires ablaze with it. And the uniqueness of humanity that we've talked about in that first chapter 3, first 12 verses, is that we bless and we curse with it. We bless and we curse with it. And none can be 
probably seen more than in the ridiculous election seasons that we see right now. How people will, and especially, this, this is what I found bitterly ironic about some people that I've known in the past, is that they will, you know, acknowledge these things from a biblical standpoint, but man, when it came to politics, they would praise one guy and just tear apart the other guy. And it really doesn't matter. You can flip-flop it back and forth because that's human nature. And honestly, it doesn't ultimately matter to me who you vote for, what you believe. You're going to be led how you're going to be led. I would hope it would be by a biblical standpoint rather than just an affiliation or something. But don't miss the grace that you've been given here of living in the United States, that you actually have a voice and that you have a vote, so to speak. But... We bless and we curse with it. And, and that is so apparent in, in politics and the political season. Like, it's impossible to miss. It's a constant negative thing. And it's just like, well, you're both awful. I don't want to, you know, do any of this for anybody. But, but at the end of it all, the, the problem is, is that, yeah, we do bless and we do curse. It shows our duality. It shows our evil nature that lives within that's led by our temptations and desires because it's those inward temptations and desires that make you praise one guy and bash another guy and if you don't see that then you're missing the problem that exists within you initially first and foremost so then James kind of brings it down to a positive light and you go to chapter 3 verse 13 to 18 and he talks about hey you know what? Ask God. Turn to God for help. Who's the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it? You know what? You might want his wisdom in dealing with heaven and earth and everything that's in it because he's the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it. So you might want to listen and you might want to pay attention to what he has to say in this. And also, James started off the book this, this very same way when he says, uh, count it all joy when you meet trials of various types, for you know that trials are building endurance. But if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. Amen. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. That seems pretty logical. Seems pretty simple. And in fact, the whole next point's about turning to God. Huh, go figure. That's weird. It's almost like we need him for something. But unfortunately, as it goes on, you know, in chapter 4, or, or really chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, it's talking about boasting in our own arrogance and how we know what we're going to do and we're going to do what's best for us and I don't need God to tell me what's best for me because I know what's best for me. And so I'm going to go do this. But again, we say we're going to do this and that, but if the Lord wills, we will do this and that. But the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1 through 12, really nails it in the head for what the problem is with our speech and in our tongues, and again, to consider how your words ultimately lead to deeds, speaking of evil of one another, quarreling over words, judging one another. Boy, if there's three things that it would be awesome to eliminate within the human being, it would be those three things. Because those three things, because of the inward temptations and desires, will lead you to praise someone and will lead you to bash another person. Very much. And again, that was the problem within the church. I see a lot of churches that have a lot of those types of problems that they don't get along for different reasons. And that's kind of a 
a gigantic problem. We need to agree on the Lord in and of itself. The reason why I came up with these sheets and have done this over the past two weeks is we got to get on the same page. I feel like we're all off a little bit. Now, I respect that the pandemic was going on and, you know, I, I, I did. Nobody knows what the world was going to do or whatever. But again, we still remained faithful. We still showed up every week, still told people about Jesus every week. We did all that, but we didn't like move forward in such a way that we are now, if you will. That's probably just the easiest way to explain that is because everything was so wonky and upside down that it was a pretty natural response, I think, in this. But again, let's all get on that same page. Let us see that certainly the words that, that we speak have consequences, as well as our yes and our no lead to actions that maybe we do or don't want to do. Sometimes there are people who have said yes to volunteering that when they show up and they've got the powy look on their face and they really don't want to be there and they make it miserable for themselves as well as everybody else, dang, would you just say no? Because <laughs> now you've just made it so much worse for so many other people. Like, that's fine that you're selfish. I get, no, I'm kidding. I don't want to beat up on anybody. But that's fine that we have these issues of, of inward selfishness. I get it. But at the same time, most definitely, we all, uh, again, need to be stretched sometimes. And so sometimes when you say yes, you should really say no. And sometimes when you say no, you should really say yes. The reason why it says you may not fall under condemnation, the reason why, though, you, you don't want to fall under condemnation is because of those facts. Because if you do say yes when you really mean no, then your heart's in the wrong place. Your heart is in the wrong place, and you're not into it, and it's going to take down other people around you just the same. And it's going to, again, make it not the joyful experience that it can or should have been. And there are many other ways to describe this. There are many other different ways to say yes, be yes, and your no, be no, ultimately. But consider again how words and deeds matter. That was a big overarching point of this entire book of James. He says, faith without works is dead, but works is not works of the law. Works is deeds and righteousness. Your faith shows your deeds of righteousness. If you don't trust God, you're not going to give. You're not going to serve. You're not going to love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on if you will. And so consider the role that we all play in this. So actually, I should continue on. In chapter five, even uh, lying to employees, actionably stealing from them. That's part of what, uh, again, those words that deeds and about the tongue, as well as chapter five, verse seven to 11, grumbling against one another. That's something else that we do. So you see that. And a lot of this has to deal with words. And the deeds match the words. I had a brother in the Lord this week text me, love you, bro. And I want to be brutally honest with all of you. Those are empty words. They don't have any deeds that match. I could say those words, and I could say it to everybody. But why? Because if they don't have a meaning behind them, then it seems fruitless and it seems pointless. 
And so the problem with this love you, bro, is A, haven't seen you in like a year. B, haven't, haven't talked to you in a year. C, you walked away, wouldn't let me help in your moment of help. And so it's like, are, are you trying to come back to something? Are you not trying to come back to something? Words matter. Words matter. But your deeds show your words mattering. Does that make sense? And so if, if I really was like, yeah, that guy loves me, I would have been all over that, you know, awesome. But the deeds that happened for the past year and a half before those words all told me a very different story. And so because they told me a very different story, <laughs> you got to take it for what it is. And I told you last week too, even in the midst of my most frustrating moments in the place that I was born, praise the Lord that certainly he sent someone after me, much like the last and the third point that we're going to deal with, that if anybody comes and saves a sinner, so to speak, we know the Lord does this, but if you can be used to bring someone back, it's amazing. It really is. Or if you can be used to help bring someone to the knowledge of the truth, that is an amazing thing. But it's, be, it's within the scope of people coming back that it was like their deeds showed me that their words mattered. But the problem with why I left in the first place or why I ran away, so to speak, is because the words were empty. The words didn't hold any meaning. I don't want to be lied to every day of my life. And in fact, I'll be brutally honest with you all, it stems from a daddy issue from decades ago. And I can't shake it. And it drives me nuts. And even as a sales rep too, like we were told the cardinal sin, you don't overpromise and underdeliver. Because if you overpromise and underdeliver, you've just created disappointment and there's no chance of it ever going to another step in that relationship. And I agree with it. And so I didn't overpromise. Therefore, I couldn't underdeliver. Same concept in verse 12 here. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. Make sure your words have meaning. Don't just arbitrarily say things. Your deeds matter and are a reflection of your words. And so they really do go hand in hand. And as much as James has said, faith without works is dead, he's absolutely right. Because it's those deeds of righteousness that show my faith in Jesus. That I don't even need to present the gospel in such a way that we talk about soteriology and pneumatology and eschatology and all the other ologies that go along in theology that make you feel like, well, now I can tell people about Jesus because I know these words. Like, no, you can tell people about Jesus because of what he's done for you and because of the impact he's made on your lives. Like, Yes, those other things can be important, but you already know how to tell people about Jesus. So why aren't we telling people about Jesus? And if we looked inside, it's because of us. It's because of our own insecurities. It might even be because of our own lack of belief or lack of trust, which is scary, considering all that he's done for us to call us to new life and to continue to show us these things. So... Consider the roles that we play or don't play in God's community caring by your speech or lack thereof. And the deeds and the lack thereof. And so now we get to the second point. Prayer is powerful because God is all-powerful. 
When we look at the second point and we see these verses, the thing people get most excited about is healing. And we're easily misled and we're easily led astray because every single one of these verses has to deal with prayer and has to deal with God, not humans. But I know for a fact that people have taken verse you know, 14, 15, and have been like, yeah, we need to, to do some oiling. <laughs> we need to, to rub you all down with some olive oil. And, and so uh, I always want us to be reasonable, and I always want us to be responsible in everything that we say and everything that we do. And I want us to consider this, that if there was a way that I could make God save someone by making someone say some words, do you think I would not do that? Let me put it in a, in a graphic way. So I have family. I have friends, right? I have people that I know. I have people that I wish knew the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish for people to be saved. I wish for them to not suffer in and of themselves because they are hopeless, because they don't know the Lord Jesus, and they don't have any hope. So if I had the power to save somebody... Would I not do it? I absolutely would do it. So if I thought for a moment that I was more sovereign than God, which some denominations think they're more sovereign than God because you got to make sure those babies get baptized, otherwise they're going to hell because my words I say are more sovereign than the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it. So you better let me baptize that infant baby with some magic words so that God will save them. Do you see the foolishness? Just like maybe you've heard of Benny Hinn, right? Maybe you've heard of Benny Hinn. He's a very popular healer, if you will. They, they kind of put a bunch of his works together with the song, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, and that's exactly what happens. He taps people on their head, they fall over, and they're magically healed. Benny Hill, yeah. Benny Hill's different than, than this guy. Yeah, yeah. No, he's Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. Not Benny Hill. Close. If you change the ends to the L. Yes. But, but, if I had that power to heal, would I be wasting my time here this morning or would I be out in the world healing people on a day-to-day -day basis? I would like to think that I would be out there, right? So same thing, same concept. If, if these things were truths and there were ways for me to do this, I would do it. And in fact, yeah, I would go and I would, I would bully all my friends. I would be like, I'd get them in a knuckle, give them a, give them a knuckle and say, you will say it, say it. Invite Jesus into your heart. Do it. You're going to thank me later. Do it. But with that, like, again, like, that's the reality of what these things are and why people, people do this. And if that was the reality of the case, if God wasn't sovereign and I needed to do something about it, then, of course, I would do it. But you know what? I still do. I tell people about Jesus all the time. I still love the Lord. I honor him with my words and hopefully my deeds. Not 100% of the time because, well, I'm still a sinner saved by grace, praise the Lord. 
but for the other times where there's a little bit of self-control within me, <laughs> then I'm actually able to continue to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love my neighbor as myself. Very common. And so, in this, quickly, but not quickly, verse 13, pray in suffering, and you're still praying in praise through song. The point is, you're taking it to God. Whether you're suffering, or whether you're like, whether you're in the valley, or you're on the mountain. How about that? It might be an easier way to do it. Whether you're in the valley or on the mountain, praise the Lord. That's it. Praise God for the experiences that you have. Praise God for the life that you lead. Praise God that he's going to carry you through these situations and these circumstances. And just praise God because he is God. And you are not. And so we see that. Next, verse 14. And I'm going to explain this a little more to you in detail because words matter. So pray with, ultimately, it's about praying with the elders of the church to lift up the need to the Lord. Okay? And so we come across this word sick. It's Strong's Concordance, Greek, 770. And it means to be ill, weak, without strength, or feeble. It doesn't say physically or spiritually. Our natural human assumption is to think physically because someone's sick. The problem is, is God knows all of humanity is sick and really, really sick. So sick, in fact, that God needed to send his son to save these sick people. And that's exactly what God did. And that's why Jesus, even when he said, I came not to heal the healthy you know, the arrogant, the prideful, the people who think they've got it all together. He came to heal the sick. Those who in humility and grace acknowledge that they need a Savior. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And so, sick, again, spiritual or physical, will leave the door open for you, but it's about to close very sharply. <clears throat> and then anoint. What does it mean to anoint? And so, <laughs> uh, G218, Alifo, properly to rub or smear olive oil on the body. To rub or smear olive oil on the body. It's the ordinary term used for physically anointing the body with olive oil. And anointing brought healing and relief and hence became synonymous with gladness or festivity. And so that's the definition in Strong's Concordance, if you will, of what anointing means. And so this carries on to verse 15, which verse 15 in and of itself was to pray in faith or to trust with the one who cares and the one who can heal. So, faith, 4102, pistis, belief, trust, confidence. Verse, or, or to save is 4982, and that's sozo. And it's used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and into his provision. 
Now sin is 266, that's Hamarsha, which means it's missing the mark by relying on self. Sin, forfeiture, because missing the mark is the brand of sin that emphasizes its self-originated, self-empowered nature, meaning that it's not originated or empowered by God or his will based on faith. It's all within you. And so 863, talking about being forgiven, aphemi, means to send away, leave alone, or permit. So the questions become, what is it that we are being healed from? Is it physical healing or spiritual healing? And then I want to declare something to you that nobody likes to hear, but it is the truth. God's greatest healing of the human being is calling them home. People don't like to hear that, and I don't blame them. Because if we as Christians have our hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied. And that's the reality, is that the greatest healing God does is calling us home. Everything about the world that we live in, including ourselves, is twisted and a little bit off-center because of sin and because of our egocentric nature. There are problems in this world that exist solely because of sin. But we know God's still sovereign over it. We know that he still has a plan, that he's still bringing people to salvation, and that as long as there is still a today, people are still being saved. And so what is it we're being healed from? He's talking about being healed from sin. He's not talking about physical healing in this. Even though olive oil does have a physical healing type of nature, if we were to, what is it, rub and smear it all over, uh, I was like, man, I don't know who'd be up for that, but right, time will tell. <laughs> Somebody will be up for that. But all in all, again, yes, there's the physical part of it, but the spiritual healing ultimately is what this is all about. Like, I appreciate that certainly we pray for those who are ill and that God certainly can do that. And in fact, when you look at the, the verse, what is it, anointing, the prayer of faith, verse 15, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Again, all spiritual. And then even look at the next verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If we're going to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another to be healed, then wouldn't I need to be sick first? So am I physically sick or spiritually sick? And the answer is we're spiritually sick. And the only one who can heal that is the Lord Jesus himself. I uh, got to see some weddings. I got to officiate a wedding this month. I get to officiate a wedding next month. I was witness to a wedding this month as well. And unfortunately, in some of those weddings that I saw, there are a lot of, if you will, this type of sickness that even going into that with, without, they're, they're so naive to think that they're going to change each other. And I'm so sad for them to think that they're going to change each other. Because if you go into marriage thinking that you're going to change each other, you're wrong. And it's going to end up causing lots of division and derision 
and divisiveness. And I don't see it lasting very long because of that fact. So, words and deeds matter. I'm going to change. I'm really going to do it. I'm really going to change. I love you guys. I love you. Are the deeds going to follow? And are they going to follow for how long? Because the thing is, now you've embarked on yourself legalism. Now you said, I'm going to change. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. Uh-huh. You are. For about two weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months, depending. And then you're going to be like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it. I can't change. Be like, duh. Told you so. <laughs> but that's my own arrogance, right? That's my own jerkness that is seen within me and outside of me and needs to be quelled. And nobody needs to be told, I told you so. They just need to be carried alongside and continue to be loved through that, knowing full well that, yeah, this is a recipe for disaster. And it's, it's certainly hard, and it's not going to change unless Jesus changes you. Because Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. But you, O oh sinner, you can change. And it's by the grace of the glory of God that we can. And by the knowledge of his truth and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us and the promises of God and the seals and the guarantees of God and all the amazing things that God does that just overwhelms and swarms you that you just have no response. But yes, Lord, <laughs> I see you. I hear you. I'm sorry. Let's do this. May your will be done. So we see that, that we're being healed from sin. We pray for one another, and we're accountable to one another, and we're vulnerable with one another. We know that we're all sinners. We know that the Lord Jesus has saved all of us. Those are the end bookmarks of the human being. And once you've got those in position, you can brace yourself for whatever comes in between. I know that you are a problem. <laughs> I know that there are sin issues within you. But I also know that the Lord Jesus loves you. And because the Lord Jesus loves you, it is only right that I would love you too, as I am the Lord Jesus's as well. And if we are the Lord Jesus's together, then we are his children together. Therefore, we ought to find a way to live a life in community together. But again, we don't see that in the world. Hopefully we see that in here. Hopefully we're working towards something bigger and better than just ourselves. More than just prosperity, if you will. Because, again, if our hope is in this life only, then we should be pitied. Because we're fools. Because the life of Jesus, the life that we've called, been called to, is a life of suffering. And, let's be real, all human beings suffer all human beings get sick. All human beings die. We're all in that same boat together. Isn't that great? But praise be to God that some of us have been called to the newness of life and that know Jesus so that we might be in Christ, so that we are no longer, again, separated and set apart from the rest of the world. And then verse, uh, or sorry, 1342 is righteous, means innocent, holy, just in the eyes of God, the elect. Verse 17 and 18, Elijah prayed fervently. Why is Eliza, Elijah 
better than you. Just think about it for a second. Why is Elijah better than you? The answer is he's not. He's not better than you. He was called by grace, just like you were called by grace. Elijah didn't wake up one day and go, you know, I think it'd be great if I served God. And thus lording my lordship over other people. He didn't do that. In fact, he went kicking and screaming like most of us did. Like, wait, wait, you're real? Oh, I think you need to find someone else. Moses, again, is my favorite character for that reason. I'm not really good at talking. In fact, I hate like public speaking altogether. Uh, I don't really know you. I don't know anything. Please find someone else. But the Lord's like, no, you're the one, man. Well, let's work together on this. Let's do this. And as much as he tried to rebel, much like the prophet Jonah, I'm going to Tarshish, man. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going at all. I'm going to Tarshish. Nope, you're going to Nineveh. You're going to go. You might go kicking and screaming, but you're going to go. And it's okay. It's good for you. Much like me wanting to save my friends and family, putting them in a headlock. Just say the magic words. You're going to thank me later. If only. If only. And so, just know that. And certainly know that prayer is powerful because God is all-powerful. I feel like I've, I've come at this like 20 different ways because James has come at this 20 different ways. But just know the basic facts and the basic truth that, yeah, the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it and the guy who can still uh, show his providence, his interaction in the world, the guy who still controls everything, like, yeah, he wants to talk to you. He wants to actually have a relationship with you. Now, do you believe that or is it all just Eric telling pork pies and a bag of trout? which is falsehoods, <laughs> Austin Power style. And so, again, in all of this, take it to the Lord. He started this off this way, take it to the Lord, finish it, take it to the Lord. If there's problems, if you're suffering, take it to the Lord. If you're joyful, take it to the Lord. If you're sick, which you all are, take it to the Lord. If you're in a community together, well, take your experiences to the Lord. If you're like, again, do you see the redundance of this and the simplicity of the truth? And the simplicity of the truth falls in verse or point three just the same as it does in all the other points is that salvation builds community and compassion. I was saved. I, I tell you my weakest thing is that I'm not very merciful. I'm like, well, you made your bed. You should lie in it. Well, you're the dumb one who keeps sticking your finger in the light socket. Quit sticking your finger in the light socket, dummy. Like, just quit it. Just stop sinning. Just stop it. Duh. As if it's that easy. As if it's just something, you know, it's just natural. But again, it's those inward temptations. It's all those issues that we have. And so God has built compassion within me, which is, is mercy. It's kind of a pity in the sense because, well, he's shown me and continues to show me the error of my ways. And so if I'm ever going to love my neighbor as myself and stop being like, dude, quit being so dumb. Quit sticking your finger in the light socket. If I'm ever going to show that compassion, I need to, to be seeing the compassion that I've been shown myself. And in such, when dealing with other people who are lost and confused and, you know, there's brothers in the Lord I hang out with specifically so I can hear about 
why they don't believe in some way. So that I don't get so out of touch with my own beliefs that I don't know how to interact with those that aren't believers. Because I, I, I tell you when I say it all the time, and it is the truth, two kinds of people in this world, those that are in Christ that know and love and serve the Lord Jesus, and then there's everybody else. Two types of people. And so those, the, the, the second type of person I, I mentioned, everybody else, they're like, it's, it's like a 90-10 split probably. I don't know. I'm just statistically assuming things, which is never good. But ultimately know that there are way more unbelievers than there are actual believers. And so because of that, there's, of course, the necessity to be able to live in this world, but not part of it. Much like when I introduced that document this morning, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we're living here, but we have more blessings than we know how to shake a stick at in the spiritual heavenly realms, thanks to Jesus. Certainly, we have blessings here today too, and continue to have these blessings as the church, as individual Christians as well. So singly and corporately, there are blessings. Then there's the universal church and the eternal types of blessings that we have. But mercy, that's what God showed us in the first place. He didn't give us the punishment we so rightly deserve. And because God didn't give us that punishment we rightly deserve, that's why it says, be merciful to others. Just the same. And love your neighbor as yourself. So you've seen that James uses the term, my brother's. And I've said it a couple times. This, again, is about humbling. This is about, hey, we're all in this together. I find these last couple weeks of those documents, too, just the same. Hey, we're all in this together. If you need help, ask. There's a lot of people here that are willing to help you. You know, if you need prayer, ask. That's the whole point of verse 14, 15, and 16, ultimately, all together, is if you're sick, you're not, like, for whatever reason, something's going on, let's lift it up in prayer together. Because God's the one who does things. I can help, and there are tangible ways that I can help. But from the biggest way, it's always about God. Whenever we have business meetings, prayer first, prayer at the end. It's encapsulated and bookmarked in prayer. Just like in our lives, no, people are beautiful, people are ugly. Everything in between. And so, again, all those truths that are very black and very white. And then there's a whole bunch of like what would seem like gray area in between, but it's just, again, black and white declared within the constraints of a human being's life. So really James is appealing to the Jewish audience in this because it seems like it has a bit of legalism to do. Like, oh, so am I going to get more if I bring people back? This is... This very last thing is kind of like a, a what is commonly referred to right now as a word salad. Like it's just kind of like back and forth and, and like, so let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Whose soul? The guy who saved him or the guy who's being brought back? Is it, is it, which one? You tell me. <laughs> Right? No, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. But again, it's that Jewish nature, it's that legalistic nature, which is why I believe he presented it in such a way, because of the purification type of rituals that they have as the nation of Israel, as the old covenant, because 
Jesus came and established that new covenant with us. And because Jesus established that new covenant, the old ones weren't obsolete, so to speak. They were just impressed upon or ratified, if you will. They've grown in grace over the years, as it is, because God promised God kept his promises, and now the ultimate promise came in the person and character of the Son of God, our Lord Jesus, came to save sinners from their, their, their selves, <laughs> let's put it nicely, came to save us from ourselves. And then, of course, the Jews that he's reading to or writing to would probably understand this, like, oh yeah, this is kind of the whole point. And this is, at the end of a letter, it's not, hey, Make sure you say hi to so-and-so and thank you for such and such and, you know, like a regular epistle. It's like, no, it's about salvation. It's about salvation, it's about community, and it's about compassion. Those three things together. And the Lord brings those together. And so he appeals to the Jewish nature of his audience by those works, by purification type of rituals. He appeals to the church of today to remind us of the gospel. And the goal of life, the entire goal of your life is to glorify God. I realize that's maybe too simple for some of us, but that's it. Long and short. You can make it about a gazillion and a gazillion other different things. I know we've made it about uh, certainly our families, our friends, our work, our monetary status, our cultural status, power, you name it. That's the meaning of life for a lot of different people. But for those that are in Christ and that have seen his salvation, very simply, it's not about anything else other than salvation. Simply, and in a nutshell. And so, much like changing the introduction on the fly, the conclusion on the fly too is, again, these three things that James brings up in the end seem to be just kind of bedrocks for that life. And James, being the younger brother of Jesus, he took a lot of his teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, which were very spiritual in nature. It was the declaration of what the kingdom of heaven looks like and what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And it is very different, very different than the world that we live in. Because with as many impure thoughts go around this room on a regular daily basis about other people, places, and things, there will be no more impure thoughts. There will be no more darkness. God will be in our midst, and he will be our light himself. And all of this is good news for us because he's called us to that new and holy life. And it's not about a performance. It's not about your education level. It's not about how well your children do. It's not about how much money you make at your work. It's not about how much power and prestige you have. It's about how well you love, about how well you love God and how well you love other people. And so I would say for a lot of us, considering your yes be yes and your no be no, consider how you spend your time. Some of us are, are very busy and not productive. It's counterproductive then. There are better things that we could be doing with our time. Better ways to love God and to love other people. A lot of times we don't take anything to prayer to God until it's a catastrophe. 
Like, God, I need you to fix this for me. I really, really, really messed up. I need you to do this. And that's okay, except you do it all the time. It's time to mature. It's time to grow up. It's time to include God in all your daily activities because not of just what he's done for you, but because how he can still continue to help you and how he continues to love you and remind you every single morning when you get out of bed that you're loved. And then lastly, this is all about salvation. It's about community building. It's about living lives together. We can make this about words and deeds, but it's not. <clears throat> I understand that some people are still going to have a potty mouth. <laughs> some people are still going to swear on a pretty regular basis. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Like the spirit of self-control will eventually continue to move within you. And maybe you'll realize that, hey, I don't need to swear as much as I do. I kind of sound ignorant in a sense. And so when I'm holding a conversation, maybe I don't need to swear as much. So there's that. But that's not what it's about. You know, and, and you know, we spent a long time talking about finances and legal things and this, that, and the other. These are all things that we have to deal with because we're in the world. The things that we would want to deal with, I would hope, would be more so about the reality of the truth of your life. That we are all here because God loved us and God wanted us here. And we're here to help reach people for God. Not that you know, we're going to get them in a headlock, give them a noogie, and make them say some magic words that are going to save them, but that we can be used because there's so much joy in us that it naturally exhumes to other people. And so that's the challenge, right? Are you excited about God? Are you excited about Jesus in your life? Are you happy that he saved you? Or are you like, eh, it's okay. It's okay. God saved me, called me to a new life. You know, it's fine. There's, there's a lot, certainly, for us to think about, and it can sound hard at times, but ultimately, realize the simplicity of the truth as to why you're here. We spend a lot of our times doing a lot of silly earthly things that are not productive or meaningful or useful to the eternal kingdom. And so we need to think about those. We need to think about our words. We need to think about those deeds. We need to think about... God. And so, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I, I certainly thank you for just the opportunities that we have, and, and certainly, again, the, the newness of calling. Lord, none of us are professionals, and, and that's the problem with society, and we're just continually trying to look for new and improved and better ways of worshiping and learning the Bible and doing this, but Lord Jesus, we just need to come down to the, the basic sim simplicities of life and the truth. And so I thank you, certainly, Lord, for, for bringing James through the congregation as you have and through preaching and teaching and just let us take it to heart. May you convict us by the Spirit. May we continue to lead lives for your glory that are ultimately for our good. I don't want to certainly be wasteful or counterproductive, but Lord, I know certainly that you love us and that you have the best in mind for us. And so because of those facts and because they're truth for our life, may you continue to encourage us to embrace them by convicting us through the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, and it is 
solely because of you and your love and your glory that we are here at all. And so thank you for caring about people that struggle to even care about themselves. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.